verse 20. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 20. Pilate, therefore, willing to release, Jesus spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And I am so sorry we're not looking more at this text, because really, if we were to read over this text, I reckon we'd be so gobsmacked with the emotions and the anger that God the Son was experiencing that we would just be overwhelmed. Read back through and look at the anger, the hatred that they have toward him. And I don't think I did it justice when I said crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine this crowd? I'm getting ready to yell, okay? So get your heart ready, okay? Can you imagine this crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him? Just the anger that they had toward him. Verse 22, and he said unto them the third time, what evil hath he done? I find no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices requiring that he might be crucified and the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon a Cyrenian coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might uh, bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wounds that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he be the Christ, the chosen of God, the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over it in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. 
But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto him, Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want to talk to you this morning about three crosses. About three crosses. And um, just to familiarize yourself you with the uh, crucifixion, um, just to familiarize yourself with the your crucifixion, crucifixion was a method of capital punishment usually reserved for the worst of criminals. A Roman person could not uh, be uh, crucified, uh, in which the victim was tied or nailed to a large wooden beam and left to hang perhaps for several days until eventual death from exhaustion, exhaustion or asphyxiation. Today I want to talk to you about the, the three crosses of the crucifixion. And in, in really generally in artwork, when you're thinking about Easter and they portray the cross of Christ, this is usually can't see it, can you? Should have used a lighter one. There's three crosses there. And usually you see the three crosses. And isn't it something that here on the most important day, that day that God had before the foundation of the world planned for his son to die on the cross, isn't it amazing that there's three crosses instead of just one. He's sharing the limelight in some way. In some way, others are seeing the... He's actually kind of looking bad. He's between a wicked a wicked man or, or two wicked people, the word malefactors, that give the idea of evil workers. That's the, the word. They are evil workers. And have you ever met or heard of somebody that you would say they're just evil? Well, that's what these guys were. They were evil. Matthew tells us that they were kleptomaniacs, that they were thieves, that they didn't call, just get caught once, but several times. And yet, God the Father saw it fit for His Son to be crucified between such people as that. And I'll tell you folks, that really, really, really should give us hope. It really, really, really should, should just bless our hearts the fact that He let His Son be among sinful people at the most important part of his life. Do you know, have you ever done anything that you're embarrassed about and you thought God didn't want to be around you? 
Wowee. Well, if he was going to be embarrassed to be in between two people, those two might have been it. But when he came, he came to die on the cross for us all. The three crosses, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, the male factors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. So you see, you see Jesus in the middle, you have one on the left, one on the right. And by the way, sometimes people say that the, the fact that there's three crosses uh, represents the Trinity. Why don't you get that? Please don't. Please don't. Uh, I, I can't see that. Because, you know, anyway. Uh, but you got one one male factor over here, one over here, and then Jesus being crucified on the cross for us. And then uh, the identity of the, of the crucified, there were two thieves. Uh, we talked about that. They were kleptomaniacs. Uh, that's the word there. And they were, they were thieves. They were male factors, uh, which is basically the they workers of evil uh, that were crucified with him. Just the fact that there were three crosses. I'm going to go through these very quickly today because I think they're important enough for us to remember. First of all, that there were three crosses was not a mistake or just fate. It didn't just happen that way. The fact that there were three crosses that was not just fate, and it just it wasn't a mistake. In fact, Galatians four, four and five say these are verses that we usually claim wonderfully at Christmas time. That amazingly that Jesus came into the world to die on the cross for our sins. We remember his birth, but you know what? He was made of a woman. That's his birth. His life was the fact that he obeyed all of the law and not a sin was found in his life. No, not one. And then his death to redeem those that were under the law. It's all God's perfect timing. It was just as much in God's perfect timing as anything else. In fact, will you go back up here with me? Uh, when the fullness of time was come, we can say that phrase just like this. When in God's perfect plan, the right time had come, God sent his son. It was just the right time. It was just the right time for him to die, just the right time for him to go to the cross. And so nothing, no nothing of all of these events took God by surprise. In fact, you see the human and the God aspects in Acts 2.23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. And so by no means can we look at this as a mistake or uh, as some act of faith, it wasn't. It was God's plan. But why were there three crosses? Well, one reason was that it fulfilled scripture about Jesus' death. 
it fulfills scripture about Jesus' death. Um, Mark 15, 27 to 28, and with him they crucified two thieves, the one on the right hand, the other on the left, and the scripture was fulfilled which said he was numbered with the transgressors. Well, what scripture is that? What scripture says that he was numbered with the transgressors? Who are these transgressors, by the way? It's the people that he's been crucified with on his left and on his right. Well, where is the, what verses are, is this fulfilling? Isaiah 53, 12. And what's amazing about this verse, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressor. He bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know what? There's a man named Richard Gans. He's a Jewish man. And when he was young, he was very Jewish. And he was, he was, uh, well, he was always Jewish, but he, in other words, he, he really observed the Jewish ways and the Jewish religion. And, and so he, he kept all the different things that the Jewish people did. Well, one day, uh, his dad died. And instead of being supported by the Jewish community and, uh, all of these things that he had been done, that, that had, he had been going through, um, he was just left alone. Here his dad had been part of the Jewish community and he, he's just left alone. And to make a long story short, he leaves the Jewish, he just says, you know what, all this God stuff is his history. Well, years down the road when he's in university, He's talking and he says, a friend of his says, can I read you something? And his friend read to him Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 12, what uh, Brother Bobby read for us this morning. And you know what he said as a Jewish man? He says, oh. he says, anybody with any New Testament understanding knows that that's from the New Testament. That that all those verses just talking about that's that's your understanding of who Jesus is. And then his friend said, No, that was from Isaiah 53, written 700 years before Jesus was born. That so touched his heart that to understand that. He was numbered with the transgressors. That was written of Jesus way back. That this Jewish man became a Christian and is now gloriously a pastor. And you know what? The wonderful thing is, is this the, 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 the fact that there were on the left, on the right, the thieves, the malefactors, it proves scripture. Secondly, it confirmed Jesus' word. Jesus said in Matthew 20, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and mock and scourge him, to, and to crucify him. The third day he shall rise again. Well, this just fulfills his, his being crucified, just like he said. Fourth thing, it emphasized 
emphasizes that we are not saved by good works. It emphasizes that we are not saved by good works. It says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Well, one of them was giving Jesus down the road. You know, just like the crowd. That's what the crowd were doing. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, you know what? We're, we're, we're career uh, criminals, and we're evil people. We're just getting what we deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he says this, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Did this man have time to join a church to give lots of money? Did this man have time to be baptized? Did this man have time to uh, be a blessing to 40 people every day? Did this man have time to uh, do other charitable works? No. He saw Jesus for who he was. He said, Dost thou not fear God? He, he, and he's seen himself for who he is. He understands he's a sinner. He understands that he and God aren't in good, are not on good terms. And then he says, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God. How are we saved? Not by good works. We do good works because we know Christ the Savior, not to become a Christian. And then it acknowledges the possibility of a deathbed conversion. By the way, let me ask you something. Are you do you know Christ as your Savior this morning? If you don't, are you waiting till you live your life for you? And you're going to believe in God right before you die. Let me tell you, you could do that. I will say that. It's possible. Based on this scripture here, this gentleman, he lived his life for himself. And at pretty well the last few hours of his life, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, it is possible for us to have a deathbed confession. I, I believe that. But Augustine, I mean like hundreds of years ago, said this. And I absolutely thought he nailed it. He says, we have one account of a deathbed repentance in order that no man need despair. You know, uh, Miss Ruby, who is 93 years old, she trusted the Lord as her Savior. Remember that. Remember Miss Ruby getting back, getting saved. She got saved, and within a week, she had passed away. You know, it does happen. But you know what? We have only one deathbed confession in order that no man may presume. Don't assume that you will be that one. Assume that you will go out not knowing when it will happen. And so there is that balance there. And then 
It highlights the choice to accept or reject Christ, a decision that we all have to make for ourselves. I love the fact one was on this side, one was on this side. Each of them were dealing with Christ individually. And in life, I have to believe on God. It's between me and my relationship between me and God is between me and God. Your relationship with God is between you and Him. And so every one of us, we're, we all have to make that choice. We, we can't make it for others. We each one have that choice. And then uh, Luke 23, the, 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 the one was railing on him. He was making his choice. The other said, I fear God. I'm going to believe. And he did. And then it exposes the danger of going along with the crowd. The crowd. My goodness, the crowd. Some of them were just watching. Some people, because it was on a, on a road, people that were going by, they were just wagging their heads at them. Like, you, you ever have people wag their head at you? Like, it makes you feel about this big. It makes you feel about, well, you know, it makes you feel useless, wrong, well, the, the crowd was wrong about Jesus. And it really does warn us about going with the multitude to do evil. Before you go along with the multitude, make sure that what the multitude's believing and saying is according to this book. Make sure that your Believing what this book says, that's the, that's the key. So it exposes the danger of going around with the crowd. They that pass by revile him, wagging their heads. And then the one, though, he said, Lord, remember me. And you know what? We've got to, lots of times, we've just got to be willing to be different than the crowd. Why three crosses? Well, it wasn't just a mistake. It wasn't just for artist renditions. There were some reasons behind it. As we remember our Lord's death this week, I hope that it will be more Thing. It'll, be, it'll be very meaningful to us as we read Matthew 18, 19, 20, and really the end chapters of each of these uh, books 